Hello and welcome to another jam-packed episode of We Love Books, the show where we absolutely love kids' books and we know you do too. Today, we're off to the circus with author Kelly McCochran, who wrote Flying Tips for Flightless Birds. We have top reading recommendations from our CBI book doctor and we have a review, a story, but first, I want to know why you guys like reading. I like reading because it's interesting sometimes, because sometimes you learn new things from reading. Some books I don't like, like really big, big books. I like reading because it's peaceful. You can just sit there reading a book and it can give you knowledge and it's really fun. I do like reading because I heard that reading makes you smart and I just want to be really smart so that's why I always read. I like reading because it's really fun and it can make you more intelligent. I like reading because your brain like works properly then in school because if you don't read a book sometimes then like you won't do good in school. Your brain like works properly and it's just like so entertaining to read like different types of books every day. If you don't uh, read a book your brain goes all cuckoo. All cuckoo indeed. He may have a point. Well, before we all go cuckoo, let's dive into a book. Eight-year-old Saif has read Helena Duggan's perfect trilogy for us. You might remember Helena's intriguing interview from episode 13 of We Love Books, or if you don't, here's your chance to go back and listen. Well, it's time to put Helena to the test. What did Saif think of the books? My name is Saev, I read The Battle for Perfect, it's a trilogy and I read the other two books as well. So a girl has moved from her old house to a place for her dad's new job. He's an optician and the Archer brothers have asked him to come and work for them. So they had to move house to go there. So when she gets there, her parents think it's fine and everything, but she's a bit worried because she thinks the Archer brothers are a bit scary. Everybody turns blind a few days after they get there and they lose their memory from their last, the last place they lived. Some people don't lose their memory and get blind. Um, they go to no man's land then. So they basically have to live there and nobody is able to see them and they can't get out really unless it's the night. There's people called watchers, they're guarding. So the archer boys are kind of bad people that are trying to take over a lot of towns and stuff. So they make different things. They have a lot of people working with them. In the first one, there's it's just them and the watchers. Then the second one, it's a person called Nurse Poic. And then the last one, they're zombies, Nurse Poic. So there's a boy called Boy and Violet. They're the main characters. So they have to try to defeat and the the zombies, Nurse Poic. I think I liked the first and the second one most because I think the most happened in them and they were a bit more exciting. It was really good. I liked that in each one there was kind of, it was the same story but there was a new person every time and it got harder and harder for them to defeat the bad people. I think you should read this if you like magic and 
and mystery. I think these books are for age 8 to 10. Well, now it's time for our interview with a featured author, and today I'm chatting to Kelly McCochran. She has written a book called Flying Tips for Flightless Birds that has been nominated for more than seven awards, including the prestigious Carnegie Prize. It nabbed an unprecedented three trophies at the Children's Book Ireland Awards ceremony, so if you haven't gotten into it yet, I highly recommend. Let's let Kelly tell you what it's all about. Well, it's uh, about a, a pair of twins called Finch and Birdie Franconi, and they belong to a very old and slightly mad circus family, but they now live in a small town in Northern Ireland, and the family runs a circus school. But the school is in danger of closing because they're not making enough money, so um, Finch and Birdie are trying to save the school by recruiting new performers to put on a big show, um, and that's not going very well because so far the only new performer they've got is the new boy at their high school, who is quite possibly the clumsiest person who's ever lived and the least likely circus star ever but unfortunately he's all they've got <laughs> so that's where the flightless birds are they're learning to fly in the circus yes they're circus trapeze um, they're circus trapeze double act the twins they love being in the circus school because um, it's really somewhere that they fit in and belong whereas in their high school they're kind of the circus freaks they're the the people who don't fit in so it's really important for them to see if the circus school for that reason they get um, a bit tortured at their school because their family's a bit odd and they have very strange dress sense and Finch in particular gets a hard time because he's also gay um, and he gets bullied for that so the circus school is really the only place he feels he belongs. What do you think it was about the book that made so many people love it so much? Um, I don't know. Well the things people have said to me um, are that it's funny and they really enjoy the interaction between the two main characters, Finch and Hector. And that was the bits that I enjoyed writing the most, so maybe that's what it is. I really love writing dialogue, so um, there's a lot of just banter between them. I don't know if that's a particularly Irish thing. I think um, when you're just writing normal conversations, it comes out as funny, just because life is hilarious. And, <laughs> and I think in Ireland, conversations do turn into banter. So there's a lot of that, and they argue a lot, and I loved writing the arguments. And I also had people say that, I've had a lot of kids say, um, you know, thank me for writing the book and saying, you know, it's great to have a book with quite a young LGBT protagonist because usually they're a lot older um, and it would be sort of older teenage books you would get um, LGBT issues in. But I felt quite strongly that I wanted him to be young because I wanted him to start getting on with his love life at the same time as all his peers. So he's only 14. So I think that resonated with some people as well. What was it like, because it's not a short book, what was the process like to write that whole book and how long did it take you? Well, there's two answers to that. Um, one is one year and one is about 12 years. Because <laughs> I had started a book about circuses because I love circuses and that was the real inspiration. And I'd got sort of halfway through it and abandoned it because it just wasn't working. And when I came back to it a couple of years ago, I had this moment where I came up with this new main character, Finch and he just he popped into my head just fully formed. It was amazing, it was like um, he was writing the book I was just following him around and writing down what happened. It was the loveliest experience. So after I came up with him, it was written quite quickly within a year and it was just a really enjoyable process. Were you sad after you finished it? Yes, I was devastated. <laughs> the night before it came out, I got a bit weepy and when I say a bit weepy, I mean I bawled my eyes out because for everyone else, it was like the book was about to, you know, be born and it was you know going to be in the world and the role you must be so excited 
But for me, it was like the end of the process because once it was published, it was set in stone and I couldn't go into that world anymore. And I really felt like um, the characters were leaving home. Um, I basically had empty nest syndrome for fictional people. Um, and I was really sad and I, I missed them and it took me a long time to get into writing anything else just because I wanted to be back with those characters again. And are you writing something else at the moment? Yes, I'm always writing something, um, but I, I start and abandon lots of things. People think that writers sit down and, you know, they write and the, the book just pours out and then it goes off to the publisher and it's just so much more complicated than that. And I've started and, and abandoned many things, but I'm, I'm working on, I'm always working on something. So I'm working on something at the minute and um, hopefully I'll get that one finished. <laughs> and finally, Kelly, what is your favourite thing about being a writer? Um, I think living with those characters. Yeah, definitely when you get a character that you just fall in love with and you just want to spend time with them every day and your day just flies, you sit down at the computer and if it's going well, your day can just literally run away and you get to five o'clock and you go, what happened? And you spent the day with this character that you just really love. Now on We Love Books, CBI Book Doctor Anne's clinic is open. Today, nine-year-old Gabby tells us about her reading likes and dislikes and her hobbies. And afterwards, Book Doctor Anne has a list of recommended reads for her. So get ready to take note. My name is Gabby and I am nine. I like Dark Diaries. I like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I like, like lots of David William and Walt Rodell books. What else do I love? <laughs> um, Stickman. <laughs> I like diaries and funny books. My favorite character is Mrs. Twit. I like the unibrow. <laughs> I don't like Tom Gates because there's a girl called Delia. And she's very weird. My hobbies are gymnastics, singing, <laughs> and I do tennis, I do fo not football, swimming, I do karate, <laughs> and chess. <laughs> so Doc, what should I read? Hi Gabby, we'll start with a couple of quick funny reads. The Unbelievable Top Secret Diary of Pig by Emer Stamp and Little Wolf's Diary of Daring Deeds by Ian Wybrow, illustrated by Tony Ross. Both of them feature great drawings that make the stories even funnier. Little Wolf inherits tons of money and a school of badness from his uncle, Big Bad Wolf, and he sets about turning it into the best adventure school ever. This proves more difficult than he thought, and in no time at all, Little Wolf is having the biggest adventure of his life. The Diary of Pig takes us behind the scenes on the farm where Pig lives with his friend Duck, some cows, sheep and the evil chickens. Pig thinks the farmer is fattening him up out of kindness, but Duck knows better. What happens when Pig finds out the bad news? A funny series that takes its inspiration from Roald Dahl's The Twits is The Grunts by Philip Ardell. Starting with The Grunts in Trouble, Mr and Mrs Grunt live in an old ice cream van with their abducted 
do I mean adopted son, Sonny. The stories are full of jokes, weird characters and absurd situations, with Sonny trying to keep everyone out of trouble. The illustrations are by Axel Scheffler, and you'll recognise them from Julia Donaldson books like The Gruffalo and indeed Stickman. I'll also recommend The Abominables by Eva Ibbotson, about a family of Yeti from high in the Himalayan mountains and their adventurous journey to safety when their mountain retreat is threatened by tourists. The world calls the Yeti abominable snowmen, but they're really just trying to live a happy life. Have you heard of Pippi Longstocking? You might enjoy Pippi's independent attitude to life. Pippi is the daughter of a pirate who is missing on the high seas and she lives on her own in a big house with a monkey and a white horse for company. She's so incredibly strong that she can lift her horse with one hand. The story of Pippi was written years ago by Astrid Lindgren and there are several editions but try to get your hands on a recent edition with beautiful illustrations by Lauren Child. I think you'll also enjoy The Giggler Treatment by Roddy Doyle. The gigglers are small creatures who take revenge on adults who treat children badly. They lay smelly, squishy traps made of dog poo for the adults to step into and watch for the fun to begin. And finally, a series about Violet Potts, who unexpectedly shrinks to the size of a fish finger, told from her own point of view. The Incredible Shrinking Girl by Lou Kunzler. The story is fast-paced and funny and the tension builds nicely as Viola tries to deal with her yo-yoing size, sometimes as small as a mouse, and then whoosh, back to normal size again. What is causing Viola to shrink and how can she control it? And in the meantime, Violet finds that it's sometimes useful to be three inches tall. Thanks, Book Dr. Anne. Some excellent reading recommendations there for you to sink your teeth into. Now on We Love Books, it's over to you. Yes, you. I see you there. Clearly someone hasn't brushed their hair today. Here's a story written by you, by 11-year-old William Harrington Lochnan specifically, and it's all about the holiday fun that his dog Milo got up to, which consequently fits very well into our circus theme today. Holiday Dog by William Harrington Lachnan. It was early in the morning, the morning that my family and I were meant to be going down to holidays in France. But of course we couldn't because of COVID-19. So we're going to go down to a COVID-free place in the west of Cork with the dog today instead. We all got into the car and the dog sat on my legs the whole journey. We went up by fields filled with sheep and cows. We even saw some horses too. When we finally got there after three long hours, We went straight into our house that we were going to be staying in for the next week. I was very bored, so I started to teach the dog how to dance and do tricks, but he wouldn't, so I gave up. After that, we were all very hungry and decided to go to the local restaurant just down the road. But first, we went down to the beach to have a little swim with the dog. We all had a lot of fun, and there was an ice cream van there too. But my mum said that we could only have some ice cream after dinner in the dog-friendly restaurant. We all had lots of fun. And when we got back, no one heard the dog barking and it was all very peaceful. When we got home, there was no sign of the dog, but we all just thought that he had gone straight into the garden. But after a while, he didn't come back, so I asked my mum if she had had the dog on her knee during the car ride home. But she said that she thought that I had him. This was not good, I thought. 
We all got back into the car to check for the dog, but we just couldn't find him anywhere. I decided that maybe we left him at the restaurant. When we got there, we asked the waiters if they had seen Milo, my dog, but they had all said no. We almost gave up until we found a poster on a lamppost. It said, come on down to Buffy's Circus and see the new legendary dancing dog. The picture on it was a dog that looked almost exactly like Milo. Could it be? I wondered. I told the rest of my family that I thought the dog in the picture might be Milo. They said that it couldn't hurt to try, so we would go to the show when it starts in just a few minutes. When we got to the show, we were all amazed because it was Milo dancing, and he was doing all the tricks that I had tried to teach him earlier. When the show was over, we went to the man who owned the circus, Buffy. We had told him what had happened, and that the dancing dog was our dog. He kindly gave him back, and when we got home, I tried to teach the dog how to dance again, and he refused to. After that, we went down to the beach and we got ice cream, and even the dog got a small bit of ice cream as well. Well, that's it from me. I'm Neve McManus. This is We Love Books, and I'll be back next week with another jam-packed episode. Huge thanks to all of the kids who read, wrote, and reviewed, and to all the adults who made it possible. Big thanks to our CBI book doctor, Anne, and to Children's Books Ireland, a most wonderful organisation that you simply must check out if you're a fan of kids' books. And who isn't? If you'd like to get in touch, our email is welovebooks at rte.ie. Make sure you've got the permission of a parent or guardian first. Until next week, stay safe, stay well, and happy reading. Happy reading.